You're listening to Mind Hostage, where real people come together to talk about real issues and how they use their mind to overcome adversity. Our program is brought to you by CBD 911, distributors of the purest CBD on the planet. You can visit their website at www.mycbd911.com. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Mind Hostage. Today I'd like to introduce to you our special guest, Scott Phillips, a.k.a. Christian Chingone. Scott is a former boxer, kickboxer, college football player, SEAL team member, and children's minister. He's a jiu-jitsu black belt and owns and operates Scott Phillips Invincible Academy in Wiley, Texas. He's also the national president of the Christian's Motorcycle Club based in Texas. Uh, Scott Phillips, thank you for being on the program today on yes, Mind sir. Hostage. I appreciate you being here. Yes, sir. It's my pleasure. Now, Scott, uh, I understand that you have a, a nickname that you go by. Uh, your your uh, your given name is Scott Phillips, but uh, you uh, you go by Christian Chingone. Can you right, tell us a little right. bit? Of, can you tell <laughs> tell our listeners a little bit about that? Yeah, man. So so I'm in a motorcycle club. I'm the uh, the national president of the Christians Motorcycle Club, and you know motorcycle <clears throat> motorcycle clubs uh, patch holders always end up. Uh, or usually a lot of times end up with road names and it's like a nickname, but it, it comes from typically some kind of incident or your background or, uh, you know, whatever. And, uh, man, Chingon, uh, was the name that, that my brothers stuck me with, gave me, blessed me, uh, with, you know, and man, I, I, it's an honor to, it's an honor to, to wear it. So yeah, man, I love it. And, uh, so the Christian part on the front my first name's not Christian, um, but the name of the club is Christians. So that's just how we introduce ourselves. It's like the formal introduction, you know, Christian Chingon, Christian Doc, Christian Cash, Christian Call, Christian Dump Truck, you know, whatever it is. Okay. So uh, that's it, bro. Now, now a lot of the listeners may not know, but I, I come from South Texas border, brother, and I know a little bit about the, <laughs> the, the slang name, a Mexican slang name Chingon, and um, well, I understand it means badass. Does that have anything to do with it? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that was, you know, yeah, that's why they stuck it with me. You know, I mean, I, uh, because of my background in, uh, you know, man, from the SEAL teams to fighting, you know, and, and shooting and fighting and, and, you know, that's, that's, that's where it came from. So. Okay. All right. Well, that's legit. I, I'm, I'm, uh, certain you earned it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Well, you know, the topic uh, of uh, our program on Mind Hostage is overcoming uh, negativity and negative thoughts. And so, uh, by the way, congratulations on being our first guest of honor on the show. Hey, thank you, man. That's awesome. I, I, that's a high honor for me. I appreciate it. No, we're glad to have you. And, uh, and so, you know, I, I was thinking about uh, this interview process and, and, and the questions that uh, that I'd ask and one of the first things that came to mind is something that I uh, used to share with my son in, in talking to him about overcoming adversity. Mm-hmm. And one of the stories or the examples that I used um, was that of two brothers who grew up together in the same household, mm-hmm. same culture. They're relatively the same age, no more than a year apart. 
same parents, same school, relative, same everything. So they grow up together and they join the service together, and they go off to war. Let's just say yeah. Vietnam War. Yeah. And and these two guys who shared everything in common, um, same blood, same background, go to the same war together. And they say have the very similar experiences in the war. And they come back, and one of these brothers goes on to be a successful entrepreneur. Yeah. And he lives life to the fullest. He's married, has children, um, enjoys life, has all the things that we we dream about, the, the American dream. Right, right. The other brother, on the other hand, he takes to drinking and drugging. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he can't hold a job, has a hard time uh, coping with life in, in general, has it a negative outlook and a negative mindset and mm, ends up homeless and, uh, you know, hard to reach. Yeah. And so as I use that example uh, with my son and, and, and look at these two that share virtually everything in common with two dramatically different outcomes makes me wonder what separates these two what makes these two different right and and in the outcome and yep. so you know having you on the show um kind of fits right in with the story because um at, at the introduction we talked about you uh in your frogman seal team experience and that one of the most grueling trainings and and missions on the planet yep and and uh, Chingon, I I, uh, I have no doubt um, you being a, just a regular man that there were times when you went through your training that maybe you wanted to give up. Man, there were times where I where, and I and I want to be very <laughs> I want to be very clear about this because the thought of quitting and you'll hear guys that go through the training man and they'll say man anybody that says that they don't think about quitting is a liar and uh and i'm and what i'm gonna say is i never considered quitting i thought about the act of quitting and uh and and i you know i mean frankly man i was laying there one time on the it was actually uh during hell week and we were is doing something what they call uh, hygiene inspections because during Hell Week, man, you just get nasty and gnarly and and you know that. So they basically put you down on on this pad of concrete, pretty close to the ocean. The the freaking breeze is coming in off the ocean. You're freezing to death. You know you haven't had any sleep. It's probably I don't know, man, Tuesday or Wednesday through the week, and uh, they strip you down into your little uh your little tri shorts like underwear things and and they hose you down with cold water and uh man my hip flexors were cramping up so bad that uh they were lifting my feet up off the ground and it felt like somebody was hitting me in the hips with a butcher knife in each leg and and uh you know the instructors were like hey we're gonna we'll secure this evolution when we get a quitter and so I'm laying there and I'm like, like, I'm like, all right, dude, go quit. You know, like I'm hoping somebody goes and quits, you know, <laughs> so they'll stop the, the, the torture. And, uh, and I was laying there, man. And, and I, and just the idea of quitting, you know, I'm just thinking about the idea of quitting. And I literally thought to myself, man, my mom, my mom was a single mom. My dad was a force recon Marine in Vietnam. My mom was a single mom. 
And you know what's it's funny because I didn't think of my dad in that moment. I thought of my mom and I thought to myself, man, if my mom was here, she wouldn't quit. That's how tough she is. And I was like, so I'll be danged if I'm going to quit, you know. And uh, so I never that's the only time I really thought even about even just simply the idea of quitting. I, but I never considered it, man. And I just you know, I just wanted to be a Navy SEAL real bad. So um, but I totally understand the situation that you're getting to. So anyway, yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to go, go off on a track. No, that's perfect. That's perfect. Because, you know, I think it, you know, the, the, the thing that that's interesting is that, you know, each of us have thoughts to go through our mind and, and they may be different. They're, they're our own thoughts that go through our mind. And, and I, th- I think the, the really and truly the, the moral of the story is here, how do we deal with those thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we all, we all get those and, and those thoughts may be based on, our past experiences and, you know, how we were raised or, uh, you know, the, the voice, you know, inside our head that um, may, maybe it, it's the self-doubt tells us that we can't do something. And, you know, I think it's times like that when, you know, you were talking about your hip flexors were seizing up and, you know, you, you, you were cold, cold and miserable. And, and, you know, where you went was a place that, that you were, you know, saw your mom you know doing right. the same thing and then to know that she wasn't quit so you had to go somewhere yeah yeah you yeah know? and i'll tell you this man i'll tell you another time i'll tell you a time i did quit that i've regretted every day of my life since and and i you know i it probably truth be told it probably made such an impact on me later on that it actually helped me with some of that training was when i was playing football in college man i was uh you know, I was uh, I was young. I was a uh, going into my my second year, my my I guess it was my red shirt freshman year, and man, I was starting. I was a starting middle linebacker at a Division one school. I had the world right where I wanted it, and man, I thought, I, and I'll just be frank, I just I was a horrible student, man. I I hated school. I, I'd never developed any self-discipline growing up to uh, to to be good at handling academics. I was, you know, man, if I put in the work, I, I made A's, but I just wasn't real big on putting in the work. And so basically, man, um, I just wasn't having fun because of the academic side of it because I wasn't handling that. And so I thought I was tired of playing football, and so I quit playing ball. And uh, – and I didn't consult anybody. Matter of fact, my dad read about me quitting football in the Dallas Morning News. And, uh, you know, which, you know, I was kind of sorry on my part. But uh, anyway, uh, and so that's a time that that was that was a time where I wished I would have simply made a different decision, you know. And I, I wish that it would have been great if I'd have had somebody to speak into my life, to put their foot in my butt. I wish I would have had a man in my life that I respected, who was a football guy, or maybe even not, but just said, hey, look, you little punk. Uh, you think you're tired of playing ball now, but it's time just to suck it up, freaking drive on, and and put his foot in my butt. And basically, you know, as much as he could, not let me not let me quit. And, uh, you know, ever since that, ever since that decision, man, to be honest with you, you know, I haven't quit a whole lot of things. So, You know, I, I think that's a pretty important, important point that you make you know and and especially these days I, I i think we've gotten away from that type of mentorship when you say you know somebody that would have put a foot in your butt where you know we have to be so concerned with hurting people's feelings uh today right. and 
you yeah. know, I, I don't operate that way. I, I'd need, I put a foot in my own butt every day and <laughs> I talk pretty rough to myself. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I have pretty rough self-talk because that's the only thing that I really understand. Right. And so the, the importance of that kind of mentorship where somebody can be real with you and, yeah. and, you know, how important that is today in today's society where there's so many people that don't have that. Right. No doubt. Most people don't, man. Most, most young men don't have it, you know? So, you yeah, and, and I think they, they want it. Oh, no know, doubt. They no doubt need it. Um, yeah. but I think they really want it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll tell you, you know, uh, going back to the, your scenario, the two brothers, um, you know, I think a lot of people don't, don't understand the idea of accountability, man. And the fact that we are in charge of our own, uh, actions, you know, we got to take responsibility for our own actions. And a lot of folks would listen to that story and they would go, well, you know, man, diff those two brothers, you know, even though they're brothers, their psychological makeup is, is this and that, you know, and the brother that went off the deep end, man, you know, like he was suffering from PTSD and the other one might not have been and blah, blah, blah. And I'm going to tell you, man, I just think that's a bunch of crap. Um, uh, here, here's, here's because, because here's what I see. In this, you have the exact same scenario in the civilian world with brothers who never go into combat, and they grow up under the same house, under the same circumstances, and they have the same result. One brother is a multimillionaire, the other brother is a loser, you know, and and so why is that? Well, there's no PTSD there. There's no. I mean, they come up from the same the same household. The difference is now you can, you know, obviously, man, there's, you know, uh, different influences come in. But at the end of the day, the bottom line is God's blessed us with a brain, a mind that is incredibly powerful. Our thoughts are real things and we can choose to be successful. We can choose. We cannot choose what life throws at us, but we can choose how we respond to what thing life throws at us. And too many people have a victim mentality. And, and like you said, nobody kind of grabs them by the scruff and goes, look, dude, freaking quit, quit, suck it up and drive on, man. Quit, quit whining about stuff. You know, That's pretty powerful. No, no, I get it. You know, and, uh, and man, when you just, the more and more you accept the responsibility and take ownership in, over your life and how, how you're going to handle things. The more and more you think positively like that, the more and more you refuse to be a uh, you know a loser, the more and more you you insist on being a winner, the more and more you you know start studying. Man, there's there's so many resources available now for people to be successful. Whether it's the internet, books. Hey, read a book. <laughs> you know, like like find somebody, saddle up next to somebody who you know is who is successful. And spend some time with them, man. And all of these principles come straight out of the Bible. But people just, uh, you know, we've just gotten to the point where, and I have four sons. I've got four sons. And let me tell you something. They're all going to be successful. You know why? Because they're, they're, I refuse to let them refuse to be successful. There you go. And uh, and and they're going to have different, they're different. Man, every one of them is different. But whatever it is they do, man, they're, they choose, they expect to win. And when things don't work out the way and, you know, and they're not perfect, I'm nobody's perfect. And, and we've, we have to have talks and, you know, kind of, kind of uh, regroup on things. But 
anyway, the bottom line is, man, we can choose, you can choose to be successful. And here's what I know. Anybody that, that, <laughs> anybody that disagrees with that, I don't give a crap. They're wrong. There's two, there are too many examples in life of people with no education who just refuse to not win. And man, the list is, is, you know, it's, it's unending. Well, you know, one of the things, and and I'm guilty uh, of this uh, and until I I finally had an epiphany one day, but um, I don't think you can talk to very many people where within the scope of the conversation, they don't make an excuse for something. Right. And, and I, uh, I think we get caught up sometimes making excuses and that's that negative self-talk. I I think where, you know, we, we try to excuse everything. And and one of the things that, that I feel like is important about that is while we're making excuses, we're blaming, you know, our situation or problems on something or someone else. And, and that's a failure of our accepting responsibility for our own actions and our own behaviors and our own situation. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so, you know, I, I think if we can get away from making excuses, and I, I think that's where that mentor comes in, where they, they don't accept an excuse. Yeah, man. I, you know, now, <clears throat> I, I, I'm, I'm in favor of, uh, you know, speaking to people in a way that where they'll hear it. You know what I mean? Like, like some folks, man, you can just be brutally direct. Other folks, you know, using a little uh, verbal jujitsu, you know, is also beneficial. But, I, you know, I, I it just I, as a matter of fact, I was on a I was uh, around a guy this weekend. And, man, I love the dude. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, I, he something happened and uh, and it was 100 percent his fault. And I heard him the night before making excuses. And I was like, hey, man. He goes, yeah, he's like, ain't gone. I'm sure you heard what happened last night. And uh, he was like, yeah. And he goes, well, here's what. And I said, hold on, stop. Did you do it? Well, yeah. Did you not take the safety? Or, you, who, or I said, uh, well, I'll tell you, he, he had an AD with his pistol. All right. He, he uh, had an accidental discharge. It wasn't his gun. It was somebody else's. A guy handed him the gun, told him it was clear. And, uh, and he pointed it at the ground, pulled the trigger and the gun went off. Bang, shoot it, you know, shot it. Hey, which, mm-hmm. Hey man, he pointed it in a safe direction. Yeah. Nobody got hurt. Blah, blah, blah. Embarrassed him, obviously, you know, but he tried, he was trying to skirt the responsibility and he was like, and we didn't know the guy that handed him the gun. It was just another guy from down the campsite. And, uh, so he's then the next morning, you know, he's trying to talk to me about it. And, uh, and the I love the guy, man. I, you know, I hope one day he's in our club, but anyway, he goes, uh, he's like, well, here's what happened. He goes, man, the guy gives me the gun. I said, stop. I said, did you, <laughs> I said, did you pull the trigger? Well, I said, it's yes or no. <laughs> it's a yes or no. <laughs> yes, sir. I said, okay. Did you, who did not make sure the gun was unloaded before you pulled the trigger? Me. Whose fault was it? Me. All right. Good. And then I, you know, and then I was like, hey, but good job not shooting your foot, you know, pointing right. in the direction. But, you know, it was just, and he, and he really, I mean, subconsciously, you know, he was trying to deflect the responsibility, but hey, man, that was a situation. And this is a rough, 
you know, guy that I could speak to. And man, he's going to remember that for the rest of his life. I promise you, if there's anybody on the planet who will never have another AD, it'll be that guy, you know? Well, you know, the only way that we can really improve and, and, and get better is to accept that responsibility you to own it and to go, you know uh, what? Yeah, I screwed uh, up. Absolutely. And, and, and I need to figure out how not to screw up again or not screw up as bad the next time. Uh, absolutely. Man, I've made, yeah, I've made, yeah, thousands of mistakes, brother. And, and, yeah, you just had, you got to man up and accept responsibility. Well, hey, in, in addition to your um, your SEAL team training, man, I, uh, you also own uh, a uh, jiu-jitsu studio. It looks like you have some experience as a, you know, kickboxer and a, and a boxer and a martial artist. And, and, uh, and you trained under, you know, one of the greatest uh, yeah. of all time in jiu-jitsu, one of the, the Gracies. Um, tell me a little bit about your, your fighting background. Man, so I grew up fighting. I, I grew up in, uh, you know, it was a small town back then, Wiley, Texas. And, and uh, you know, I wasn't, man, I was never a bully. But, I, you know, I was always a, I was, I, I was always a willing participant. I'll put it like that if anybody ever wanted to get down. So I grew up doing that, man. And I got into uh, the martial arts when I was young. And, and, uh, and I boxed competitively. I kickboxed competitively. And, you know, I was always looking for the Holy Grail in combat, man. I always wanted, you know, I always wanted to be the best I could be. So I, whenever I finished, when I thought I was tired of playing football, I, I looked around and, and I considered myself to be a warrior. So I looked around where, where the best warriors on earth were. And I talked to a bunch of the different branches in the military. And I settled on the SEAL teams. And, uh, and then, man, God bless me. I made it through the training. I got stationed in Hawaii. And this was around the time when the first Ultimate Fighting Championship uh, came on, and Hoist Gracie dismantled everybody, a little skinny Brazilian guy. You're dating well, yourself, brother. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, I, I know. And uh, and so when uh, when I was in high school, man, I remember reading about those guys and about how they had an open challenge for anybody to go to their gym and, and compete, fight. And I, you know, and, and years later I saw the videos and they were always very gentle with who, with whipping these guys butts and they fought world, they fought Olympic wrestlers, man. They fought uh, world champion kickboxers. They fought professional boxers. They fought everybody and they easily whipped everybody because nobody knew jujitsu. And, and when you pitted jujitsu versus wrestling, jujitsu versus karate, jujitsu versus kung fu, jujitsu versus boxing versus kickboxing, whatever jiu-jitsu won and uh so i got stationed in hawaii and i wanted to be i wanted to go to a team on the east coast but they sent my entire class to hawaii uh and man it was a blessing because helson gracie who was is the older brother of hoist gracie hoist is the one that fought in the first ufc's helson was his coach back then in the early the first few at ufc's helson lived in hawaii and there was already a few guys at my team training with him. And so I showed up and they're like, hey, man, you like to fight? I'm like, yeah, I like to fight. And uh, so I started training with him. And, uh, you know, that was 25 years ago. And I've trained consistently ever since. Uh, he's the, you know, he's the guy that I got my black belt from. I was very fortunate to travel to Brazil with him and the first uh, – his first competition team that he took to Brazil, I was part of that. We went over there, man, and had a blast. And, uh, yeah, so that's that's how I got into jiu-jitsu originally. Then when I got back here, uh, 
Pretty much as soon as when I got back here, there were there were no jujitsu academies close to me. So I started teaching just different guys and uh, man, and I've and I've taught, uh, you know, probably for the last 15 years. And uh, and now I own uh, an academy and full time. That's what I do full time. Uh, we have church there on the weekend. So I'm also one of the pastors at the church, but, uh, yeah, man, we run, we're running jujitsu classes and Muay Thai classes, uh, six days a week, multiple classes per day training, you know, people from five years old. To, uh, I think our oldest student is 72. That's so, awesome. Yeah. It's been a huge blessing. Well, I'd like to uh, switch gears right there, man, because, uh, I want to try to break down some of these stereotypes. Uh, number one, um, you know, of, uh, warrior men, Mm -hmm. And, you know, men with tattoos and beards and bikers, you know, the, uh, and I get it. That's my background. Um, yeah. And break yeah. down some stereotypes because one of the things that I know about you is that you're a children's minister. And, <laughs> you know, you also teach a lot of children in your jujitsu yeah. uh, studio, man. And um, I think that's an amazing thing. I, I thank you for giving back. But, um, T tell me a little bit about, you know, your desire to work with children. I mean, here you are, you know, accomplished martial artist. You, you grew up fighting you know, with that with that warrior mentality. You went through the frog team. I'm sure you've experienced many things that um, you probably rather not talk about. And here you are giving back to the kids. Tell me a little bit about that. You know, I'll be honest with you. So uh, when, <clears throat> when I started raising my boys, uh, you know, I, man, I just – God just gave me a heart for kids. I, you know, I, I, my sons were awesome. Uh, I, I, I loved them. I mean, any father, you know, was going to tell you they love their boys, but man, I just, I, it, they were just such a blessing, man, to God's blessed us. Um, you know, my wife and I, and, and, and the boys are incredible. And so I coached, I was very fortunate. I got to coach them in little league and, and I actually coached uh, two of my sons all the way up through varsity football and basketball. And, uh, and, and along the way, uh, you know, God just kind of, he put a burden on my heart for the lack of godly masculine, not male, but masculine leadership that so many kids, uh, lack there. You know, if you go to a whole lot of churches, you see, and in the children's ministry, it's primarily women teaching the kids. And if you go to schools, it's primarily women teaching the kids. And if you go to private schools, it's primarily women teaching the kids. And so, uh, which, man, I love them. Those women are awesome. You know, uh, if if it weren't for them, the churches, you know, would lack a lot of uh, leadership, man, with them. And so it just, so I started praying uh, about, you know, and I felt God calling me into ministry. Now, I I felt like my ministry was going to be coaching uh, var high school varsity football, and that would be my ministry. You know, that would be how I would be able to reach out to kids, boys in particular. And uh, and then along the way, man, he God got in the got right in the middle of it, and the church I was attending was the biggest church out here, and. Uh, they were looking for a children's pastor and the current children's minister, uh, she was also the preschool minister and I'd known her for years. Uh, 
she just, you know, I was over at the church one day and she said, Hey man, uh, you know, we need a children's pastor. Have you thought about it? And I was like, what, what are you talking about? Sam? I'm like, you know who you're ta- like me? Like you, like you realize who you're talking to. Right. And, uh, she, uh, she's like, yeah, she goes, she said, I think you'd be great. And I said, well, I, and I didn't even know what she did. I had kids in the children's ministry, but I didn't even know what she really did, you know? And so I said, well, Hey, send me a, whatever. And I, I researched it a little bit and I, I talked to the pastor and, uh, I told him I would pray about it and pray about it. And then I prayed about it and I prayed, uh, for about a week and I just didn't get any, I didn't get any clarification. You know, I didn't get a, I didn't get a, an answer from God. And at the time my mom was going through some uh, cancer. So I thought she was going to come in. So I was kind of nervous about the income. I knew I was going to have to, you know, take a big pay cut. And I told the pastor, I was like, man, I don't think that's going to be my gig. And he was like, well, Hey, keep praying about it. And he said, and when you pray really, he goes like, really pray about it and really listen, you know? So I prayed for about another week and, uh, I was in a hotel room. I was doing some traveling. I was in a hotel room and I was reading and I, and God just very clearly made me understand that if I wanted to, to be a, a masculine, a godly influence for kids, that being a children's pastor, that this was the best opportunity that I could possibly get. And so I went back and I said, hey, I'll put my resume in. And uh, and it was kind of funny because when the, I knew all the guys on the search team and they, they were in the middle of a nationwide search, they had people much more qualified theoretically and uh, one of the guys on the search team called me and he was like, hey, man, he was like, I, I got your resume for this children's pastor position. Like, is this a joke? <laughs> and, I, and I said, no, man. I said, you know, no, it's not a joke. And he was like, well, I'm looking at your resume and it's like killing, 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 killing. Now I want to be a children's pastor. <laughs> and I said, well, hey. And I and I said, I told him, I said, well, hey, uh, have you ever looked at any of the quote unquote resumes of the men in the Bible? Right. And uh, he was like, good point, man. Said, Look, bro, I, I don't, I, you know, I said, understand this. I'm praying for God to, to put his man in that role because I still had kids in the children's ministry. And if I wasn't that guy, I wanted him to put God's man in that position. And uh, and so, uh, man, that's and, and basically the Holy Spirit got involved and. Um, they didn't go with the guy, the, the, the guy that they were really focusing in on. Uh, man, the Holy Spirit got involved. Some things came to light. And then, uh, man, I, they hired me. So I did that for a while uh, until I moved into a different position within that church. And, uh, you know, and then, and then God moved us out of that church into uh, Invincible Academy. And now, man, I get to spend, you know, I mean, uh, basically my whole life is revolves around training and discipling and mentoring kids and adults. We've got a great adult program as well. So, No, that's awesome. That's awesome. I, I think, um, I don't know about you, I, I, I try to give back. Um, made a lot of mistakes and, and uh, uh, you know, I've tried to learn from those mistakes and I really work to try to give back and, and, uh, and to do God's will, you know, whenever possible. Right on, right on. You know, you talk about the stereotypes and all that. Man, here's the deal. Uh, society is is kind of the one that's twisted the stereotypes because if you look, if you look, you know, there's a passage in the Bible where where Jesus is talking about um, uh, John the Baptist, and you know, John the Baptist <clears throat> was in. Uh, uh, 
he sent he actually sent his guys to go out and and check out Jesus. And Jesus points out the fact that he says, hey, look, man, um, when you came out in the wilderness to see a prophet, did you come out to find a weakling? (laughs) And, and, you know, he said, did you come out to find somebody living in, you know, wearing fancy clothes? Uh, you know, and, and Jesus said, no, you didn't. He said, the weak, weak people, you know, and people that wear fancy clothes, he was like, they're, they're the, they live in king's palaces. They said, you came out to see a prophet. And he said, and of the people that, that have ever been born, there is none greater than John the Baptist. And John the Baptist, everybody knows, was a wild man, man. Like, he 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 was a wilderness guy. He, he looked... If you took one of my one of our guys, I mean, like I got dudes in my club that if you took their cut off, put it on John the Baptist, he would look like dudes in our club. <laughs> and uh, and it just struck me that's who Jesus pointed out as no other man born of a woman is any great is as great as John the Baptist, this rough, straight shooting, you know, guy from the wilderness. And so, and if you look at and you know, I don't know if you've been to Israel or. If you look at all the men in the Bible, man, they were rough dudes. Jesus was the hardest cat that's ever walked the planet. All his disciples were rough guys. Uh, you know, David, who said, you know, the Lord said, he's a man after my own heart, man. He was a freaking warrior. He was a, he was a rough dude. And so the idea that Christians have are, are only clean cut, you know, very, you know, straight kind of, uh, nice guys is just inaccurate. Now, are a lot of Christians that way? Absolutely, man. Some of my best friends are like that. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm not, right. I'm not talking about false masculinity. I'm not talking about being bullies or, or trying to be a tough guy. I'm just talking about authenticity. You know, I mean, right. it's just, it is who you, you know, it is what it is. And so, uh, the, the stereotype, you know, man, look, so many people, want to throw stereotypes out and they want to do this. And it's all just an excuse. It's an, it's an excuse for them not to take accountability for their own action. Again, Man, I've sat amongst warriors and amongst men and some of the roughest cats on this planet. And we've shared tears together. Bro. Yeah. 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 So, you no, know, just to embrace that, that, uh, that human yeah. spirit, man. And, and, you know, re- real people and, and, um, so well, hey, as as we wrap this up, man, you know, we talked about uh, you know, quite a few really interesting topics here, man. But uh, I want you to just share with us as uh, we prepare to to end this show. What um, are the most important things you think uh, in maintaining a positive mindset and getting through, you know, everyday adversity? I'll tell you. Uh couple of things, man. Obviously, I'm going to I'm going to tell people, you know, that if they don't have a relationship with the Lord, I, I would hope and pray for them that they would seek somebody out that can help them with that. OK, so that's man, that's that's first and foremost, obviously, uh, as far as practical application and, and, and some action steps. <clears throat> the first thing I would do, I would tell everybody out there. That if if you if you want to be successful in life, there's a book and and it's called Think and Grow Rich. I've got it, brother. I'm reading it now. Perfect. <laughs> it's, by, it's by Napoleon Hill. And look, read. Just trust me. Trust Jojo. Trust us. 
Just read the book. Um, now, how you apply it, whether it's a business, uh, it's not talking about thinking and growing rich financially exclusively. It's talking about growing rich in relationships and success and achievements and, and uh, you know, your, your personal uh, contentment. But it, man, I mean, frankly, it's got all the, it's got the, it's got the game plan in there. You know, it tells you every, it's, it talks about goal setting. It talks about uh, uh, self-talk, auto-suggestion. It talks about faith. It talks about visualization. It talks about, uh, you know, uh, the the leadership qualities, the, the practical things that you have to do from a day-to-day basis to to be successful to to stay positive and and so that would be my second that would be the second thing so a relationship with the lord start reading that book and then the third thing is this uh <laughs> and this just is what it is if you want to look if you want to be mentally tough well then just be tough if you want to get in shape then get in shape if you want to uh be successful well then start becoming successful you know, it's not rocket science. Start doing what it takes to get where you want to be. Don't let the world keep you from accomplishing the goals that you have. You, God, listen, God gave you a brain and a mind that will allow you to accomplish whatever you want to accomplish in life. But the bottom line is you have to decide to do it. The resources are out there. If you decide, people used to ask me all the time, hey, man, uh, what do you have to do to be a Navy SEAL? How come some guys quit and how come some guys don't? And I tell them, every, I was like, if you want to be a Navy SEAL, you got to want to be a Navy SEAL more than you want to breathe because there's going to be a time where you have to choose between the two. And every man who's ever quit SEAL training, every man quit because they did not want to be a Navy SEAL bad enough. It's that simple. It's, it's that simple. There's no magic formula, man. You just don't quit. You just keep driving on. And every person out there listening to, listening to this has the capability to be successful, but they got to choose to do it. They got to take responsibility for their own actions and, and they've just got to put it into action. That's so. pretty solid, brother. I'm going to go back. You know, uh, that's good advice. Uh, but don't stop at that one book. You know, I think. Oh, uh, yeah. No, no, no. To add to that, one of the important things that of being successful is to continuously work on self-development, whatever uh, that is. Yeah, Find yeah. your spiritual time. You know, re- yeah. read a book. Put positive things in, in your mind. And I, I equate that to gardening. Um, yeah. I wasn't wasn't very good at gardening, but you know, <laughs> I think you talk about talk about this in the Bible too. But I had about a twenty by forty foot patch out in my backyard. Uh, and uh, well, I was excited, man. I, I wanted to get out there and grow some vegetables, and I did really good at first. I went out there and made my rows and tilled my garden, and it was pretty, and they were coming up, and I watered it, and pretty soon the weeds started creeping in. Uh-huh. And, uh, and man, I'd get out there and pull weeds, and I'd get busy and come out there, and there were more weeds, and I'd get out there and pull a few and, and come back, and, and, and before I knew it, that the whole garden was consumed with weeds, and Finally, I just got out there with my weed eater, and I <laughs> went down to the dirt, you know, and then try to salvage, you know, try to get a crop. Yeah. Uh, but you know that, that I think that's true of of everyday life and and negative negativity and how it creeps into our mind. You, you, you talked about putting in the work, 
And I think that's where a lot of people miss it is you, you go talk to people, you know, go to see a therapist. And I think that's important. You can go talk to your pastor. You can go. But, you know, nobody can fix the problem. They can guide you in the right direction. They can listen to you. But you have to put in the work. When a negative thought or a doubt or a fear or one of those human emotions creeps in like a weed, you have to pluck it out. And yeah. sometimes it's a grind. Yeah, yeah. And, and and I think, like you said, it's it, if you want it bad enough and yeah. you're willing to put in the grind and put in the work, you can do it. Yeah, no doubt. Absolutely. So, well, Chingon, I, thank you so much for coming on today. We're, we're exceeding our time. I think we could sit here and talk all day, and I hope we can do this again uh, soon. Absolutely. But uh, I, I appreciate you, brother, and, um, you know, I, I have no doubt that you spoke to some of our listeners. If you'd like to know more about Scott, you can look him up under Christian's Motorcycle Club on Facebook or at Scott Phillips' Invincible Academy at invincibleacademy.com. We'd like to remind you to comment, like, share, subscribe our podcast. You can reach us at mindhostage at gmail.com and you can visit our website at www.mindhostage.com. Thanks for tuning in and have a great day.